1: In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Today's guest, Emily Windsor, is definitely an all-rounder. Emily juggles working at the Sussex Community NHS Foundation Trust with playing top-level cricket for the Southern Vipers and last summer for the Trent Rockets. Thanks for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion, Emily.
0: Thank you and thank you for having me. Looking forward to having a chat.
1: Well, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Now, my first question to you is how do you fit all all these things in, all the different things that you do?
0: The honest answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I have to be quite prepared and sort of good time management. Um, but obviously at times it's pretty tough. Um, but, yeah, I manage it. I think I'm very lucky that sort of wherever I'm playing, so if I'm playing cricket at the Vipers or if I'm at work at... Um, with Sussex Community NHS Foundation Trust or if I'm at uni um, or Sheffield Hunt they're all really supportive um, of each of the other different aspects and know that it's important to me so they're very good that if I'm in a bit of a pressured situation for one reason they sort of lay off in the other I still obviously have to work my hours in the NHS there's no flexibility with that I can obviously take annual leave but um, yeah it's it can be tough at times but I have found a way and I mean it works (laughs) I've managed it so far, so fingers crossed it keeps going in that way.
1: Well, you do very well. what What's your actual job with the with the NHS?
0: So I'm a physiotherapy apprentice. So basically, they I'm part of my job. I work with um, children. Um, basically doing rehab with children that have done that have injuries or it could be a child with long-term health conditions or like a disability so there's a real range to what I do so I do the rehab and work with the physios there and then the other half um, I they're basically paying me to study to get my physio qualification um, which is obviously really good um, because obviously a physio is definitely a career I want to go down as well as all the other things so it just it's like another string to my bow and when I qualify which is hopefully in April 2023 that's a big tick and um the plan is to then I can switch my focus more to my cricket and my commentary that side of things so and just tick around tick away with the physio alongside um hopefully with children as well because I really enjoy that
1: well how difficult has it been there working for the NHS over the last about two years now.
0: Yeah, obviously the the dreaded word COVID. <laughs> we have to mention it, don't we? Um, it's had its ups and downs. The initial, when we, COVID initially came about and it was very unknown, um, our service, some of us, well, quite a lot of our staff, we were a team of about 12 and nine of them got redeployed to different areas and then three um were left so it was me and two other physios but we were left to manage not just our area which is chichester we had to, had crawley and horsham patients as well so there was a big a lot of patients to manage and obviously that was stressful in that aspe- aspect but obviously the physios were needed elsewhere and um we're doing a job for covid but sort of when once we got the staff back they've seemed to stay back which is good so i guess other than the pressures of people going off sick and stuff um we've managed to keep our our staff pretty fit and healthy actually which is is good but um there's obviously the added PPE for everything that we're doing which we're very obviously grateful for but yeah it's, it can be challenging as you can imagine working with children you look kind of scary and in, in full PPE so um trying to be friendly through a mask and you can't do the smile and all that type of thing that you need with children because they don't really understand especially the younger ones so it has had its um added I guess pressures at different points but I'm really hoping that we're getting towards the end of it and I mean I know it's pretty horrific at the moment in the hospitals and I'm very grateful for the staff that work in the acute setting and I know how hard they're, they're working and. How stressful it must be for them. So, where I'm out in the community, I don't necessarily see the that busy period as much. But I know it's it's not a, it's not the best place to be working. But they get they will get through definitely, and hopefully we can have a time soon where we don't have to worry about COVID.
1: Well, let's all hope so. it must be so hot when you're working in PPE kit
0: yeah definitely is in in the winter we were saying today that it's actually all right because it keeps you a a little bit warm (laughs) because yeah when when we have to like obviously open doors and windows all the time when you've got a face mask on it it keeps you quite warm but Joe, what i i think we're so used to it now so like uh, this obviously face masking since the start when as soon as we arrive in the building you're in a face mask the whole day the only time you take it off is obviously to eat and drink when you're distanced from everyone else so I don't actually notice when I've got a face mask on now and like when I go to cricket everyone's still moaning about it I'm like oh I've still got my mask on I'll take it off and stuff so yeah you sort of get used to it It it's pretty warm but (laughs) but it's obviously protecting us and our patients which is obviously the important thing.
1: Well let's move on to your cricket career and uh, a question I ask everyone is how did cricket start for you?
0: Uh, it's basically through my family. I've got um, a pretty sporty family. I've got an older brother who's one school year above me, and I've always been competitive. So whatever Matt was doing, I obviously wanted to do as well. So um, yeah, they were just him, him and his mates um, would, would play for a local club, and they were just short one day. So I had to, you know, put on the brother's whites that are too far too big for you, and, and just get out there, um, and I remember bowling a boy out in in the first game Um, and then basically I loved it ever ever since then and and yeah definitely got the bug for it we me and Matt used to play down in the alleyway who's Matt's my brother Um, and dad would throw balls at us um, days on end Um, yeah we just had a real love for it in in the family and my grandparents as well Um, so yeah my mum didn't get much choice but to to come along and watch but um, she's not the most skilled at it herself bless her
1: (laughs) So how old well were you when you first started playing then?
0: Eight or nine, I'd say. I think nine. I'm pretty sure nine. <laughs> Everyone asks this and I never know the answer.
1: <laughs> oh, you're so young. It's not that long ago, you see. So uh, some of us have a lot further back to remember. But you played for Hampshire at a very young age, didn't you then?
0: Yeah, so I started under, like I was straight in at the under-11s um, and I I think I was nine then. Um yeah, and I went straight in as captain, which is its weird to imagine me now as a nine-year-old captain inside. I'd kind of like to watch it back. It must be pretty entertaining. But yeah, no, I'm very lucky. And obviously, I've loved every minute playing for Hampshire growing up.
1: Yeah, and you made your debut for Hampshire in 2013. Well, that's the, the, the full team in Division Three, And you must have only been 15 then. Most of the players must have all been older than you. What was that like?
0: Yeah, I mean that's it was pretty crazy, but um, like, I'm pretty, I could, especially as a youngster, I was pretty confident, and I think I just got stuck in straight away. And luckily, I knew a couple of the players through um, playing club cricket with them. So yeah, it was it was daunting, Um obviously, making the um, senior side debut, um, you want to make a mark, but. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a pretty cool experience. And I actually don't think, every, I think every Hampshire women game since then I've played. I've not missed one between then and now, which is quite a cool stat.
1: Yeah, and you've certainly seen a rise in Hampshire's fortunes. When you so made your debut, they were in Division 3, um, champions of Division 3 in 2015. And then in 2018, um, you're winning Division 1.
0: Yeah no it was it was a pretty cool experience actually there was like um a real investment in the in the women's game in Hampshire when I basically first started and um obviously we had sh- um Charlotte Edwards join us which she just brings so much experience and, and she played for that year as well so she obviously brings, brings quality um on the pitch but yeah we learned so much off them and we almost obviously we raised our game um to that and I think if you are Charlotte like when she first came and moved to us she'd have been like what have I got myself into but but now obviously she's got a really good relationship with most of us and she's and she comments on she sometimes go back to then and, and sort of how we've developed as players and stuff since then so yeah it was a, a pretty cool rise and winning that county championship was was special definitely one of the highlights of my career
1: yeah, I was going to ask you about Charlotte Edwards because she's, she's quite local to where I am where, where I live here in Cambridgeshire. What was it like when you first batted with her for Hampshire?
0: Uh, do you know what? She actually said one thing that to me. I can always remember it to this day and it still sticks with me. Like there's me thinking like batting was so complicated and I'd be thinking about all these things when I'm about to bat. And, and she literally just said to me, if the ball's straight, hit it straight anything why do the stumps whack it that was literally it <laughs> and I was like oh yeah that's easy I'll just keep trying to do that but yeah obviously when you hear words from that from someone that's your role model and you're out there in the middle those things really do stick but it also really shows you doesn't it how I guess simple that you can break down the game and and how effective that can be
1: so that's technical advice from a leading world women's coach then yeah
0: yeah, well, and one of the well, the best player probably England have ever <laughs> has ever had. So, yeah, I mean, even now, I'm still so lucky to have her as my head coach at, at the Vipers. She has so much experience, tactical experience, and we're always learning from her. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, her success even as a coach is is pretty special, really. Um, with obviously when with the Southern Braves, she got them into the final. Obviously, with her players, and obviously the Vipers. We've been in the Rachel Hay- won the Rachel Hayhoe two out of two. So, yeah, I think she's going places with her, her coaching for sure, just like she, she was a, as a player.
1: Well, talking of the, the Southern, Southern Vipers, um, women's cricket got sort of redefined in 2020 when they formed the, the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy and the eight teams were set up. What's your thoughts on the eight teams for, for that trophy?
0: I think it's done absolute wonders for the, for the women's game. Like I'm, I'm still a Hampshire girl at heart and I still love playing cricket for Hampshire, but the eight teams has just made the game so much more competitive and the standards so much higher. So every game people are competing for their places no matter what. And obviously then having the England players come down, the standard like really is quite high. And that is only going to make our women's game grow and get better and better because, no one's place is safe people always have to work hard get better and people are getting better and some of the youngsters in our like vipers academy are seriously good already because they've got that support because there's a senior side and an academy side to every region um and yeah it's the game is only going to get better and better over the coming years and it's so exciting and if i was a youngster now uh, the pathway and the excitement you've got ahead of you is and, and the opportunity to have it as a as a full time job because I'm a big believer that in years to, in a few few years that it won't just be the six professionals per region. There will be a professional team like we see in men's county age groups. So, as a youngster, you've got so much to look forward to, and the thought you could be a professional cricketer for a living and not have to worry about anything else is is really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's very much going to improve the standard and uh, concentrate in the teams is very much sort of the, the vogue at the moment with you know 18 men's counties and you've got 88 women playing in in the best standard of cricket
0: yes and it's, it's it is really hard because I'm a big lover of county cricket and men and women's game obviously as you mentioned the debate about with the test team isn't there at the moment that they think there's too many counties and stuff and I mean, I'd hate to be in the ECB's position at the moment because getting that balance is is, is really challenging. Because cricket fans l- support their counties; they're loyal to to those counties, and yeah, to reduce the teams and in that would have a massive benefit because the standard would be higher, the competition for places would be higher. But actually, the history of our game is county cricket, so yeah, whoever's making that decision or or bringing about those ideas, I don't envy them at all.
1: (laughs) No, because the Southern Vipers, I looked up, they they cover Hampshire, Sussex, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Dorset, Oxford and the Isle of Wight.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the the region we have. And I mean, it's quite a big region as well because they're not small counties. um, But yes, I mean, I guess in in the men's game if they mirrored that think how strong some of those teams would be but yeah I think it's done where the women's game was at it needed it needed this and it was a way of getting the game professionalized and um yes yeah, it's, it's very exciting um as I said
1: well we mentioned earlier that um in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy that um the Southern Vipers have won the 2020 and 2021. In in both finals, you've made big impressions. The first one, you made 37. Um, But this year, you were the player of the match, um, chasing the Northern Diamond score of 183. The Southern Vipers were at one stage 109 for seven. How did you go about uh, turning that uh, result round? Well,
0: it was very stressful. I think when I walked up to bats, obviously about six, um, we were in a bit of trouble. Really, um, we yeah, we'd lost a lot of wickets quick, quickly, and it seemed yeah, it was like we were
1: six for had... two at one stage, weren't you?
0: Yeah, and it seemed like we had a long way to go. And obviously, between us and the Northern Diamonds, we always have great games of cricket, and um, sort of on the field, it's they're really tough battles. And I just sort of was saying to every new batter that came in with me. If we're here at 50 overs, we've won the game because of the amount of runs we were chasing. The only way Northern Diamonds are going to win it is if they bowl us out. And basically that's all I, I did in the way. I had in my frame of mind what Lottie told me. Anything straight, I hit it back. And any width in my strength, I was obviously trying to score. Um, and in my head, I just knew that I had to take this the game deep and when Tara came in at, at seven she was very calm and we just sort of kept chatting. we break broke the chunks down and then we decided when we really wanted to to put to the Northern Diamonds which was actually three overs to the end um but yeah I think it was quite challenging because mentally as well because knowing when to go knowing when to put your foot down was really hard and like i Uh, since I've sort of obviously spoken to Lottie and said about my strike rate and that and she's like I don't care about the strike rate you've won the game for us like that's that's all I can that's all like she wanted and she she also said in an interview after that um if I was there she always believed we could win um and that was obviously something really special for your coach to say about you no matter who it is um so yeah obviously I mean I don't think I've ever had a day like that. Like, scoring those winning runs, I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and then I cried as well, coming off the pitch, because both Lottie and um, Karts, who's our director of cricket, were emotional. And, um, yeah, I can just remember all the team running on, piling on, and, yeah, it was so special. And Tara was exceptional. Like, that partnership between me and her is definitely one I remember for a little while.
1: Yeah, it's Tara Norris, and you added 78 for the eighth wicket and, and talking of your strike rate uh, I've written it down here you got 47 in 97 balls but as you say that you won the game and you needed about a runner ball really in the partnership didn't you?
0: Yeah we did and I think um, it was it was quite good in a way because um, by that point when I was in there was sort of sweepers out so I could quite often like if I at that point I was scoring a little bit quicker trying to rotate in the strike a bit better early on in my innings i was dotting up quite a lot because it was straight, and I was hitting the ball back basically. Um, and Tara, what worked to our strengths was they obviously had to try and squeeze Tara, the new batter, but and she just kept belting the ball through the through the ring field, and obviously getting some boundaries and us um, running a couple of threes. Which <laughs> by that point I was absolutely blowing, which I wasn't grateful for. But yeah, no, it um, it worked in our strengths because. Yeah, Tara just played a superb innings, and um, yeah, it was yeah it was special um, to watch from the other end. Really,
1: but getting forty-seven in the Player of the Match must be a real boost to your confidence in in the final.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think batting at six in the Vipers, I don't always get a go, especially like our top order is so good. Like they constantly, um, like they bat time, they score runs and batting at six, often you don't get much of a go. So I said, I was just having a joke with George Adams, obviously our captain. I just thanked her after the game for giving me an opportunity to actually score more than about 10 because, because usually I'm coming in with not many balls to spare, but yeah, I think that's what's at the Vipers. We're such a, a good team between us and um, we all enjoy each other's successes. So, um, yeah, it's and it and it just seemed this season, because obviously we had um Charlie Dean get called up for England, Maya Boucher get called up for England, who were excitingly in the test squad as well. See Danny Wyatt, Georgia Elwes, um, who were sort of in and out of the team. So like we obviously lost some players to England, but then other players then had to step up. Um and throughout the year different players did. It wasn't the same person. So yeah, it was it was a really good team year actually. Um, and I know um, we celebrated well, and we had an end-of-season awards at Christmas.
1: Well, on the back of your performances, you also got picked for the Trent Rockets in the in the hundred, and uh, you made your debut at the home of cricket, Lords. Was that the first time you'd played at Lords?
0: Do you know what? It actually wasn't. I played in an MCC game there, but it was a comp- like there was no crowd. At the, well, there was a very little crowd at the time. Um, when I first played there that but that Lord's 100 experience was special as well um, I've been so lucky this year with the experiences and the memories that I've had on a cricket field but yeah it's my first time having like a quite a full crowd behind you because I feel on the boundary um, and having people like shout your name and like heckling heckling you <laughs> it's pretty weird obviously the boys get it all the time but um, yeah it's a new experience for me but yeah I mean that crowd towards the end and of the game obviously when more people come in it was noisy it was yeah it's it was such a special day and just like it it was weird like a couple of times you have to really like take a breath to believe you're playing at Lord's in front of a crowd um, live on Sky TV like it's pretty cool you wouldn't imagine like when I was even five years ago, or whatever, I would never Im- imagine I'd be doing that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit different from playing in the in the garden with with your brother all those years ago, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean the com- the competition probably was about the same. I mean, it got fiercely competitive down in the garden, and you know a few strops as you do with when you play sort of family games. But yeah, it was it, yeah, it was slightly different. A few more people watching. <laughs>
1: For the Trent Rockets, you got to play with uh, people like Sammy Joe Johnson, Nat Sivir, Catherine Brunt, uh, and also Catherine Bryce, who, I, who I've interviewed on on this podcast. Um, it must have been a real boost to the to the women's game, the hundred.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for any player, even for me as a regional cricketer, to to go into a different environment, I was obviously used to the Vipers and. Um, obviously selected for the Trent Rockets. It was a new environment, new coaches, new players. So you're overseas, you're internationals. Like you learn so much and you learn so much about you as a person as well because it was tough being in a bubble in that time because obviously the dreaded COVID again. Um, but yeah, just watching how other players go about their game and like having chats with them and stuff. it was It is really special. And yes, the 100 obviously that a lot of the attention is not is on the performance and obviously your internationals and your overseas have a big impact. But there's also stories out there, isn't there, of of the younger regional players shining in that environment. But it gives you an opportunity to learn a lot and I think that will then only make our regional cricket standard higher because players are constantly being pushed and that's ultimately what we want. And to be able to sell the game, I think... I mean, every team did fantastic this summer with it. And I know a lot of people that, A, didn't watch cricket before that went and watched both the men and women's game for a day out and loved it. And I know people that watched mainly men's cricket and actually went for the day and, and gained a lot of respect. Like, I'd get a lot of messages from, say, my friends from old like old school, actually some old teachers from like college and school, um, saying how much they're enjoying watching 100 and... But like, and that's not just the men's game; the women's game, which is um, exactly what what the game again needs. That people are now wanting to watch. People are now getting to know players as individuals, rather than and not just the international players. They're getting to know regional players. So, yeah, it's, it's good and it's really exciting to see what next year brings as well for the competition. Because I'm sure it's going to be bigger and better again.
1: Yeah, hopefully next year there'll be some of the Australians playing in the competition.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to think they would as well the Australian internationals obviously fingers crossed covid is less of a thing and and they are more willing to travel travel over but i imagine them as well seeing the successes of it um, from the outside they they're going to want to be involved definitely.
1: What about news of of your chances of playing next year is there going to be a draft again for the for the 100
0: uh, so there's not a draft, it's a, there's basically different periods in the year, there's like a retainment period where players can be retained for their region, then it goes sort of to an open market again where anyone can obviously fight for anyone um, and then I don't, I don't know when it will be announced, who's where and who's re-signed etc but I imagine they're sort of trying to build up obviously the hype towards the competition so I imagine it'll start coming out pretty soon really in the new year.
1: You're still hoping to be a part of it in 2022.
0: Yeah, definitely, absolutely, really want to be part of it. I think you'd be crazy not to want to be a part of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it must have really put you under pressure. You know, with with only being a hundred balls. I know everyone says, "Oh, every ball counts in every game," but it really must have been very intense playing in in that standard and level of cricket.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it was almost like every run mattered and every like mistake I don't want to look at it negatively but I guess yeah the pressure was definitely on and more as well I think because of the media I think because the number of people watching you don't want to be that person that makes the mistake that you then look at have to look up at your phone after the game and it's being replayed everywhere do you um but no it's it was it is pressure but like I I enjoy performing under pressure. I enjoy playing under pressure. It makes obviously those successes that little bit better um, and more enjoyable. So, yeah, I think it's what it's what you want as a as a high level sportsman is to be put in those situations. And if you don't come out on the winning side or you make mistakes, you only get better by doing that, and you're you're constantly learning, which is good.
1: I haven't mentioned it yet, but you also work in the media. You work for. I don't know where you find the time, but you work for BBC. Radio Solent, and you've also worked for some for the for the BBC and the Test Match um, Special County podcast. How did those two jobs come about?
0: Uh, so it was back to that um, 2018 year when Hampshire, were, when we were obviously going to win the county championship, and um, it's Kevin James at Radio Solent. He just asked Bobby Parks, who was one of our coaches at the time, if there was any girl that, or in that side that could come on and just chat about it during a county championship game and Bobby asked me to do it and I was like yeah why not I have no idea what I'm doing but uh, yeah I go on and, <laughs> and chat and um yeah I went on and basically Kev was having an informal sort of chat with me about um our game and the women's game then he went do you want to take the commentary for this next book this next over and I was a bit like thrown in the teeth and like no did not accept it and I was like okay yeah sure and um, Kyle Abbott got the wic- a wicket, it was a county championship, On my first ever ball on commentary. It was RBW, <laughs> I had no idea what to do. But anyway, and then every time I kept coming on in that game, because Kev like said I could do a bit more, Hampshire kept getting a wicket. Um, so then there was obviously the radio got quite a good reception. I was like, can Emily come back on? And it just became a bit of a joke at the time. But then... Kevin, the person who um, at BBC Radio Solent, who's Adam um, Blackmore, who's in charge of the sport and Solent area, asked said enjoyed what I did, enjoyed a different voice. Obviously, in the county championship, and asked me to come back, and then uh, came back, and Kev more and more basically got given more and more games with, to do with Kev, um, and then um, yeah, this last last summer, um, Adam Mountford at Test Match Special. Um, had heard me and, and he basically sent me an email to say like he's enjoying listening to me um, and he said he'd offer me some games for the 2021 season and I sort of looked in my inbox maybe like March, April time and I was offered um, the England Women's International game. so in the first series and um, the series in September So yeah, to make my—I didn't expect that when he said, "Here, give me some games on Test Match Special." Yeah, but to go into the um, doing some international cricket, so I had like Alex Hartley, Alison Mitchell, Daniel Norcross, Henry Moran, um, Isabel Westbury. Like to be commentating along those on an international game is was pretty cool. And um, Ali Mitchell, um, she was great. Like I. I always ask for learning because I I haven't got that much experience. I say, if there's anything you think I can be better with and and that. So I've got lots of tips from them as well. Some of the best in the game um, whilst on on the radio. So yeah, I'm really lucky really to to be in that situation. And um, it's definitely something I'm going to continue to do and and take all the opportunities as much as I can sort of around obviously all the other things that I'm juggling this summer.
1: So hopefully more work again. This year in 2022.
0: Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed.
1: Well, I'd like to come on to talking about the women's ashes. We, we best not mention the men at the moment. Now, the women, in fact, today, and we're recording this on a Thursday, it's going to go out on, on Sunday, they've brought forward the the ashes for a week and they're now going to start with the three T20s and then the Test Match and then the, the three One Day Internationals. What are your thoughts on England's chances down under?
0: I'm very, very excited. I think it's going to be a fantastic tour. I think um, England have such a strong squad going out there and I almost, I don't know what 11 they're going to pick because the depth of, of the squad that they're taking is, is so good. But I think it's going to be a really, really good battle. I think Australia obviously have a fantastic side. They've got a great set up out there. So I'm expecting Australia to throw some of their um, younger players maybe into their teams that have performed in the in the women's big bash, which is just happening in their state cricket. So they've got that on their side, that those girls are going to have been playing a lot of cricket, obviously leading into the Ashes and, and it's on home soil. But yeah, England's squad looks very strong.
1: I mean, the Australians are the number one ranked side in 50 overs and, and T20. Uh, and, a, and a, as you mentioned earlier a couple of your colleagues are also in the england squad
0: yeah i'm i'm literally so excited um charlie dean is someone that she she lives like a couple of minutes down the road and i've played cricket with her since she was little diddy we were both at haven cricket club together and um yeah honestly she's one of my closest mates and I'm so proud of her like obviously my family knows her family um really well and um yeah I was, I was lucky enough to be at her debut um this year obviously in England and then yeah it's crazy to think that she's going to nashs, ashes but I she's absolutely going to smash it out there I know she is she's just um, got the character and as a, as a bowler, um, as a spin bowler particularly, she she turns the ball a lot, which is not you don't often see that in the women's game. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited and fingers crossed she gets she gets a gig out there and and can support her. And, and as for Maya, um, obviously Boucher, for her to be going on a Nasha series again, I mean I'm not surprised when I watch her in the nets and stuff like how hard she hits the ball and, and the quality that she is as a player they're both two to what like two players to watch um and obviously I'm really happy again for, for Danny Wyatt um to be obviously in that squad I, I guess she's a name expected but yeah I really hope she goes well down under um because obviously she had a bit of a bumpy ride sort of being in and out the England team um and I think she re-secured her place with her performances. I'd like to think she did um, towards the back end of some in the summer and batting further down in the ODI squad. But obviously the T20, we know she's going to open that batting and smash it. Hopefully.
1: And we've also got a development squad uh, going down there alongside the the uh, the Ashes squad. And Alice capsy the seventeen-year-old, is in is in that squad, isn't she?
0: Yeah, she is. I think. I mean. There's a lot of exciting young players in that squad as well. I think from a Vipers perspective, Lauren Bell, the Seamer, she's an opening bowler. She's she's a good player. Izzy Wong's in there. there and I'm also really excited to see how Eve Jones does, who's a player that this year's had a fantastic or 2021 season had a fantastic domestic season. Then got um obviously a chance to play in the Big Bash. And yeah, she's she's got a good opportunity as well in the um England A squad so yeah it's a a strong squad going out there and and yeah it's exciting to see how they do it's it's yeah really nice to see sort of two squads if you like going out to Australia and and playing cricket.
1: So you think we can run run the Aussies close?
0: I definitely do you know what if I like I I'm back enough to do something special I don't I think I'd, as I just said, the depth of the our English squad. I'm really hoping they they can. I think it's one of those where England on their day will be Australia. Australia on their day will obviously be England. I think they're two very evenly ma- matched sides. As I said, Australia obviously having their favour that it's home series, um, and they're on the off the back of. Um, the women's big bash um, and their state games now. So they can pick players that are in form, not necessarily just sort of the typical squad, but the squad that England are taking out there. I'm really, really excited to see how they go.
1: And do you think the sort of the restructure of the women's game and the intensity of the the 100 is improving and giving England more more of a chance in competitions like the Ashes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, players like Charlie Dean and Maya Boucher, they got their England caps, their England chances, off the back of performing in the 100 and in the regional game consistently. Um, And their England are now sure, when they pit those girls, that they're ready to come and play because they've played in front of crowds, they've played in high-pressure games, so that it's not that massive jump that we saw previously where it was a Hampshire versus... Um, Yorkshire game in a club pitch down the road it's now people are playing on good pitches regularly in front of people with media hype with all of the added pressure that comes with playing an international game um, so they're confident that they're ready and also those players are going against top players week in, week out now so that people are only going to get better and and step up and we saw it this summer they both, when they both played they both took their opportunity neither of them looked out of their depth same with um, Emma Lam at Lancashire, she made it, got, obviously got her cap um, this summer, and, and from performing on, in regional cricket, and she came and made her mark as well. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting, and also those players in the England day. Should something horrible happen with the England squad, and hopefully not. Fingers crossed. Obviously, COVID goes round or injuries. I'm very confident that those players in the A squad could come and, and make a difference in, in the Ashes squad squad should they need, should they need it. Obviously, hope that doesn't happen, but that's the depth of England women's cricket now. It's going that way. And, and I guess we're a few years behind Australia because Australia were in that position a few years, fair few years ago, when they obviously brought in their women's big bash. But it's going to be a great series and i also really hope just for english cricket fans it will give us something to cheer about with obviously how the men's ashes has gone at the moment um, so yeah fingers crossed
1: and then uh, just about a month afterwards the early part of march the uh, world cup england holders playing in new zealand uh, you obviously think we're going to do well there as well
0: yeah i think i think again the world cup's going to be so exciting the standard of Women's cricket across um, more than two countries, if you like. It's usually Australia, England, Australia, England. I think New Zealand on their home soil, they're underdogs because I think they have some fantastic players in their lineup. Hopefully, Amelia Kerr will be back. They've obviously got Sophie Devine, Susie Bates. They've got a lot of um, Amy Satterthwaite, Leah Tahu, who they're a strong team as well. You then got the Indians who have match winners. All the way down their batting lineup and and with the ball too. It's it's going to be a, a fierce World Cup, and I think England are going to have to play all very well to defend their trophy. Um, but I really hope they can do that again. Depth of squad. I'm backing our girls to to have a special few months abroad.
1: Yeah, it should be a tough competition because everyone they're in one group of eight with everybody playing each other, and then the top four going through to the. Semi-finals. So let me put you on the spot. Who are going to be the four semi-finalists? Uh,
0: Australia, England, New Zealand and India.
1: Right.
0: Those okay. uh, South Africa, though.
1: Oh, you can't have <laughs> five in the last four.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to go. No, I'm sticking with my gut. New Zealand are going to be in there. Definitely. Yeah. South Africa are going to just miss out.
1: we've got this on record I think South Africa are ranked number two in the world in uh, ODIs so they're now not making the semi finals so that's uh, an exclusive from uh, Emily Windsor
0: (laughs) Yeah you can all uh, tell me that I was completely wrong when all the other teams make it and England, Australia India and New Zealand are blown away
1: (laughs) Well thank you very much for that and thank you very much for, for joining me on The Paddock and the Pavilion uh, one final question I was going to ask you is, what's the future hold? What, do you want to become a professional cricketer or is it physiotherapy? Or, uh, you know, so many things you're doing. I know the media you're, you're involved with as well.
0: Uh, I certainly want to be able to do it all. That's the plan. I really want to, fingers crossed, I can. as more professional cricket contracts come out, I'd love one of those. And obviously when I qualify, um, I definitely want to keep my foot in in the physio door. So hopefully be able to find a way of that. And I'd like to also be in an opportunity to take as many of my commentary opportunities I can as well. So (laughs) I want to do it always the answer. That's what the future holds.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks again for, for joining me. No worries at
0: all. Thank you for having
1: me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and The Pavilion. You can download the show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Sports Social Podcast Network.